Hi, and welcome to Screens and Focus podcast, where we share and connect as we spotlight our favorite shows and movies. I'm Diana. I'm Brittany. And this is episode 18. Today, we'll be reviewing season four, episodes one and two of The Walking Dead with the lens of community. Before we dive in, how are you doing today, Diana? I'm doing great, Brittany, but we had to say goodbye to one of our friends today. She is moving on, and so that was bittersweet. Yeah, it was, and definitely feeling emotional about it, but we just want to wish her well, and I'm happy that we all we all got to say goodbye to her, and she gets to go on this really nice adventure with her husband, so it's really cool. Yeah. I'm very happy for her, but it, it, it's totally bittersweet. Yeah, and it was nice to express our feelings, um, because I just always feel like you should say how you feel, and I'm glad that we had the opportunity and were able to say that, because she really impacted our lives, so... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad we were able to tell her that. Totally. And on another note, I saw the coolest little girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was on the Today Show, and she's an eight-year-old drummer, Yoyoka Soma, mm-hmm. and she played a Led Zeppelin song, mm-hmm. uh, Good Times, Bad Times, and she was phenomenal. <laughs> phenomenal. She was just rocking it out. and was totally cool. Okay, Diana, let's start with our recaps. Okay, season four, episode one, 30 days without an accident. So much has happened, so listen up. I got that from Brittany. (laughs) The community has grown at the prison, and it's looking somewhat peaceful. Rick is farming, Daryl's become a popular hunter, and Carol is giving weapon training to children. Love is in the air, a council is formed, Rick meets a crazy woman in the woods who wants to feed him to her walker head husband, (laughs) but fails and ends up killing herself. Daryl, Glenn, Tyrese, Sasha, and newcomers Bob and Zach go on a run, find a store, and are looking for supplies. There is an accident which draws in walkers, and Zach gets eaten while the others are able to escape. Back at the prison, the group notices a buildup of walkers with growing concern. Patrick, a newcomer, doesn't feel well. His illness gets worse during the night, and he dies and turns. Season four, episode two, Infected. So lots of people die after Walker Patrick comes into cell block D. Dr. Subramanian figures out that Patrick died from pneumococcal, which is an aggressive flu strain that they contracted from either the pigs or the birds or whatever. And the leaders decide that they should quarantine the infected on what used to be death row until they find a solution. Someone has been leaving rats at the fence for walkers to eat. Hmm, wonder who it is. <laughs> it's probably Lizzie since she's batshit crazy. <laughs> and she grieves over a walker more than her own dad. Oh, anyway, Carl tells Rick about Carol's knife and gun lessons, which actually I should have just used weapon training, which Diana said. That sounded really nice. Okay, so she (laughs) tells him about Carol's weapon training during reading time. (laughs) And Rick gives Carl his gun back. Lastly, Tyrese finds Karen's burnt body outside of the prison. All right, Diana, time for us to talk about the theme of community. So where did you see this in these two episodes? Well, what a long way this community has come, especially Mm -hmm. for the prison group and for Rick. He comes out and the sun is shining and the birds are chirping and the (laughs) crops are growing and they have pigs and music is playing. Yes, Rick has earbuds in listening to music. 
and he has given up his gun for farming. He looks so relaxed compared to last season. But the council is concerned about him not carrying his gun, and they ask Herschel to talk to him about it, which he does, but Rick says he has a knife and doesn't go far off. <laughs> anyway, this is Farmer Rick contributing <laughs> to the group, tending to crops and the pigs. This is what we do as a community. We band together to protect ourselves and survive and grow. We divide up labor and resources. We figure out where we can contribute because it satisfies us to give back. I was reading about communities and what normally comes to mind when thinking about communities is your family, your friends, your neighborhood, schools, and churches. Mm -hmm. But it mentioned that we seek out communities based on our needs or interests and on the internet, which I hadn't really thought about. If you have cancer or another illness, you look for information or help from online communities. If you have a favorite TV show, like The Walking Dead, <laughs> you find websites and blogs and even a podcast like ours to share and connect. <laughs> communities are normally chosen by self-discovery. I thought this was interesting because I've joined different communities to connect and broaden my learning and creative interests. With The Walking Dead, their main goal has been about survival. And in these episodes, they have been given a little bit of breathing room to explore where they fit in in this new community. So it's nice to see some peace before all hell breaks loose. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's a really good point that you brought up because I'm constantly Googling our shows and looking up Reddit threads and all that stuff. So that's mm -hmm. so true. But as far as me, like what I saw, I was just thinking about how two communities have joined together and how we're seeing the immersion of this. And we see that it's been 30 days without any deaths. And because of this, there's this unworried tone of comfort, trust, gratitude, mm -hmm. like you said. And yes, there are still people who have their own apprehensions about adjusting to these newcomers. But overall, this group seems to be doing well and really happy. You know, they're farming. We have Farmer Rick. <laughs> Get your new doll down yes, at the department reminds store. Reminds me of uh, Farmer Barbie. <laughs> you know, they're farming. They have a good stock of supplies. They filled up the cell block securely. And many of them do have distinctive roles in the community. They're rebuilding. And it, it may not look like the cookie-cutter Pleasantville-esque neighborhood of Woodbury, but it's an arguably safer, more transparent environment. However, <laughs> once Patrick becomes a walker mm. and he creates another walker and another, uh, havoc ensues. I felt relieved about how everyone's attention quickly averted to cell block D when they heard those gunshots or whatever that was. However, with the council, I really wondered about why anyone from Woodbury wasn't on the council. I know Herschel, Daryl, Glenn, Maggie, and Carol, these are our main characters that we followed from the beginning, but... Didn't the Woodbury people just come from the governor's leadership? I just, like, wouldn't they feel safer and better taken care of if one of their own was part of that council? I think community means taking care of each other. And yes, we know that the OG Rick group is accountable and they're benevolent and they're good and we can trust them. However, I think it's only fair if two communities are coming together Leaders from both sides should be included in this council, especially with these types of conversations and decisions. So I was just thinking about that. Mm -hmm. Sasha's in there. I don't know if, where she considers herself because she was with the mm. Woodbury, but I know she really wasn't there very long. Yeah. And maybe nobody stepped up. Maybe. Used to say. 
Because they don't they don't go over who how they made that or created that. Right. Console, but. I just would have loved to see a little more diversity yes. in there. Yeah. Like to make it fair, mm-hmm. right? Like I know that some of them have separate cell blocks too, and I get that. I get why that is because mm-hmm. you know they already had their cell block set up, so they're going to give them this cell block and whatever. But I just think that in order to really fully trust that you're all part of one big group now, you should have a little mix in there Mm -hmm. just to not feel exclusive. That's all. Yeah. So yeah. Good point. I also noticed the Walker community and that's Mm -hmm. pretty scary. They all have the same goal to eat human flesh terrible goal (laughs) and they are growing in numbers which carol comments on she mentions that they need to get ahead of it before it becomes a problem but it's too late it's a problem they are being fed rats which is drawing them in i still don't understand that they need to eat humans and how they are hungry if they are dead and when did they go to the bathroom? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Just makes me curious. Also, um, I found it interesting about the community of doctors, how they were sharing ideas of what the sickness is. I mean, this was Herschel, Bob, and Dr. S, along with Rick and Daryl. I mean, they discussed each of their experiences and knowledge, and they were able to conclude that a severe flu or virus was spread by the animals. Yeah, and that's the beauty of coming together and one of the conversations i have with jimmy about the walking dead all the time Mm -hmm. is why can't they truly rebuild like why can't they rebuild pg and e and have power again why can't they have an internet again why like people are the ones who created these services so why can't they get back to doing that Mm -hmm. and something that jimmy pointed out to me was that maybe not all those types of people are left like maybe Maybe all the engineers, maybe where there's a scarcity and maybe it's only like the blue collar people who are left like to survive. And mm-hmm. maybe you just don't have that access to that many people. So I always find that interesting. And your yeah. point about the walkers, how they're growing. We talked about it in a couple episodes mm-hmm. back about how we still see so many walkers and it bugs us because we're like. <laughs> you guys been dying off. <laughs> yeah, Why are right. there more of you? Yeah. So it just, I, I don't think I'll ever understand that. Is it just because more people keep dying and there's more yeah. walkers? Yeah, like, I think so, yeah. Man, the world is a crazy place. Yeah. Seven billion walkers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they all got to congregate somewhere and then everybody's got to go the other direction. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They need a tracking device. That's what they should put on them, tracking devices. Yeah. <laughs> right? So then they can run the other way or yes. get away from them. Oh, I don't my know. gosh. Okay, Diana, let's talk about other things that we noticed. All right. Um, so I noticed that Daryl got it right when he said, it's like a romance novel around here. (laughs) I mean, first episode, everyone seemed to be kissing. (laughs) Tyrese and Karen. Karen is clearing built-up walkers at the fence. Tyrese says he doesn't like killing them face-to-face and can only kill them out there when it is necessary. She asks why he did it previously, and he said it was to get close to her and to get to know her better, (laughs) and she kisses him. They are definitely a couple. Then there's Beth and Zach. As a small group gets ready to go out on a supply run, Zach says goodbye to Beth and gives her a kiss. He asks if she is going to say goodbye, and she says nope and walks away. (laughs) Unfortunately, this is a short-lived romance. (laughs) 
then there's Glenn and Maggie. They wake up from sleeping and he asks her not to go out on a supply run. And after some discussion, she doesn't go and he goes in her place. She later tells him she is not pregnant and he is relieved because he doesn't want to bring a baby in this world, even though Maggie seems to be okay with it. Later, he grabs a Polaroid camera and takes a picture of her. Anyway, I'm pretty sure they kiss somewhere in this episode. Because and they're more. always kissing. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, and more. So I'm thinking, why not Daryl and Carol? I mean, Carol is always flirting with Daryl, and I'm not sure why they have never in eight seasons gotten together. In fact, Daryl has never been with anyone. Carol was with that Woodbury guy. Mm-hmm. Well, with rumors that Daryl will become a main character in the next season, let's hope he gets a love interest, too. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so we have to talk about the look at the flowers moment. We know that Lizzie and Mika eventually die, with Lizzie killing Mika to prove that people come back after they die and they're no different than us. And... Carol ends up killing Lizzie, and it's for everyone's protection, right? It's such a gloomy foreshadowing that Lizzie cries over Nick, a walker, being killed, and seems to be more affected by his death than her own father's. She says, he was special, and now he's dead. Why'd they kill him? Why'd they kill Nick? She refers to him as his name that she gave him. She named him like a pet. And I thought at first she was grieving her father. Mm -hmm. Then she says Nick, and I'm thinking, you're crazy. Then Mika tells Carol she's messed up. She's not weak. And she walks away. Children are so much smarter and insightful than we give them credit for. This little girl can clearly see that her older sister has problems with her perception of walkers and how she sympathizes for them. Mm -hmm. Lizzie, frustratingly, does not understand the differences between walkers and humans. She's a smartass and says, people kill people. They still have names. And it's truly disconcerting. My problem is, do we always got to have a crazy who believes in this delusion? (laughs) (laughs) okay i also want to bring up the three questions um so the crazy woman ciara wants to join rick and his group but rick says there are three questions that she must answer first after she tries to kill rick and ends up stabbing herself she asks him as she is dying what the three questions are he says how many walkers have you killed how many people have you killed and why She says her husband, Eddie, killed all the walkers and that the only person she killed was herself. And her third answer was, you don't get to come back from the things you've done. This is a central theme. Can we come back from mistakes that we have made or will they forever haunt us? Bob contemplates about taking the bottle of booze and then puts it back only to cause a catastrophic accident, which almost got him killed and did get Zach killed. You make choices in life and sometimes you question or react to those choices and sometimes the choices can change you. It is all very interesting. That's very true, Diana. I also want to talk about Beth and Michonne. So Beth says, we got all these widows and orphans, but what about people who lost kids? Do you think there'd be a name for that? And we see Michonne wince a bit at that statement. Then... 
Michonne has such a visceral reaction to holding baby Judith. Beth doesn't know Michonne's past yet, and neither do viewers at this point. But we do because we're re-watching it. And I teared up along with Michonne because we know that she lost her son. And children are a delicate subject to her because of this. Rightly so. It makes me really sad for people who have lost their children, have missing children, just anything that has to do with uh, anything negative with their children. I don't see how it wouldn't completely wreck you. And yet, so many people deal with this. My heart just really breaks for them, and it Mm -hmm. broke for Michonne in this moment. But lastly, I do want to bring up this scene that really affected me, and I'm not trying to be hypersensitive or annoying and preachy, and I understand in the zombie apocalypse, you do what you gotta do, but the scene with Rick slaughtering, and I say that because that's what it was. It was a slaughter. You were setting them up for their deaths. He slaughtered each of these little piglets, and they're piglets. They're not big pigs. They're little babies, and it just... I can probably cry right now thinking about it, but he cuts their femoral arteries and leaves them as lunch for the walkers. And I know this is why Rick didn't want Carl to name the piglets because they aren't pets. They're food, first of all. But the way that they died scared and in pain, I just, I couldn't take it. And I'm going to cry right now again, but I cried hearing those piglet screams. And honestly, that scene just made me want to become a vegetarian again. I just felt so distraught and so guilty and so awful about it. And I know that Rick felt bad about it too, but it just, it was really, really hard to watch. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to bring that up because sometimes we watch these shows and like Game of Thrones, it's so physical and so violent and Mm -hmm. it doesn't affect me that much because I know it's acting right but to hear like an animal it just it was it was really hard it was hard (laughs) so it was hard it was a yeah that scene it was hard yeah yeah it was just really crazy Mm -hmm. and my my mom and dad are gonna so laugh at me for crying right now But they know their daughter. But that's <laughs> why we watch these shows, right? Yes. Because it does affect us, mm-hmm. you know, what we totally. see. And that's why we were drawn in, because mm-hmm. we are affected. Mm-hmm. So, and that was a hard scene. It was terrible. Okay, Diana, it's time for why we love Rick. Why do you love Rick? I love Rick because when the group was in trouble and trying to figure out how to stop the walkers from knocking over the fence... He thinks, and you can see this look come over his face. It's the look he gives when he's about to do something crazy. Mm-hmm. At that moment, I didn't know what he was going to do. I couldn't remember, but I was so intrigued because of his look. It ended up being the piglet scene, which Brittany is right. It was so horrible to watch. Really, it made my stomach turn. But you know what? It hurt Rick to do it. You could see it in his face and how he acted afterwards. He was affected by his actions. He needed to save everyone from the walkers. And even though he told Carl not to name them, he was attached to those little piglets. Well, I love Rick because... He gave the strange woman in the first episode a chance. Crazy woman. (laughs) Crazy woman. (laughs) Poor thing. Um, I found myself being immediately suspicious of her Mm -hmm. because I didn't remember this too clearly. I just didn't remember what was going to happen with her. I just knew it didn't end well. I just didn't remember the details. And maybe this is the season I've watched the least on marathons. (laughs) Anyway, 
even though she's a mess, Rick gives her a chance. And maybe it's because he's let in the Woodbury residence and they're part of the prison now and he wants to continue this hope. Even though she turned out to be crazy, but understandably heartbroken and lonely, I'm glad that Rick is not completely leery against every person he meets. It shows he is trying to be fair and he has this set of three questions for every newcomer he encounters. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. And I think it showed him something because that's when he told Herschel, you know, like he didn't want to be too far gone, basically. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to lose himself. And Herschel reminds him he didn't. Mm -hmm. He came back. Okay, so we're at what are you currently watching? And we're going to start with Fear the Walking Dead, season four, episode seven, The Wrong Side of Where You Are Now, and season four, episode eight, No One's Gone. It's this mid-season finale bullshit we got to go through. (laughs) So, Diana, what were your thoughts? So, I was very confused and a little let down by episode seven. I don't understand why the vultures want to unleash hordes of walkers and kill a bunch of humans. Why? Because you can? It's ridiculous. You need humans to help you survive, not more walkers. If you pack the ballpark with walkers, you won't even get the supply. So I don't understand the purpose at all. And why did Nick and Alicia drive right up to the gate and stay there? Why? Drive the car away. Jeez, what is happening? Also, this time jump thing is getting old. If we know they are fine later, then why would we be invested in this scene, knowing that they get out? What is the point? I'm praying there is a point in the next episode. Morgan got Al to put down her camera, but driving her tank into the ballpark does not look like it was a good idea. Then with season eight... Wow, I didn't believe it until I watched Talking Dead because we don't get to see Madison actually die. And it is hard to believe, even through all the indications pointed in that direction, that that was the outcome. I totally understand how this character would do this to save her kids and loved ones. It reminds me of Rick and something he would do. But that is for another conversation. I like the beginning of the episode and that Al and Madison's worlds came together before she even found her family, before building up the ballpark. Al filming Madison's story was important. If she hadn't done that, Alicia wouldn't have seen her mother's wishes. And I can't believe Alicia was trying to push Al's body toward the walkers. How could she do that to another human being? Alicia's actions were not making any sense to me. Yes, she is upset her mother is gone, but with the way that she blamed Naomi, it seemed like Naomi had done something directly to Madison, but it just doesn't seem like it's the case. I like what Morgan had to say to Alicia to bring her back to herself, telling her he sees her. Don't we all want to be seen? I mean, it is sad that Madison and Nick are gone, although I'm glad Madison went before Nick because a mother shouldn't ever see her child die. I'm also happy that John appears to be on the men and that Strand burned his hand to save Alicia. I'm pretty sure he shocked himself by doing this. It is not something he ever thought he would do, even though Madison knew that it was in him to do it. And I really feel sorry for Kim Dickens. She loved this role and said it was unique and she had worked her whole career for this type of role. So I'm really bummed for her. What are your thoughts on the episodes? 
I don't really have much to say about episode seven, except the fact that I enjoyed it a lot more than episode eight, which is funny because we're flipped on that. Mm -hmm. But episode eight was so boring to me. Oh my God. I just, it was proven right by the vultures having no purpose at all. What you said, what a dumb storyline. I'm honestly in disbelief that this even made it out of the writer's room. The last 10 minutes of the finale were the only ones worth watching to me. And I really would have appreciated seeing Madison's death in real time rather than a story mode because it felt almost too much, mm -hmm. too sing-songy with Victor, Luciana, and Alicia telling the story. And I don't understand how Al filmed that if it was all at the same time or if it was separate because they all said the same words. And I'm like, you're all sitting there by the fire together. You're all saying, okay, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, it just felt disappointing. It felt very anticlimactic to watch her die in a slow-mo, really high music kind of way. It didn't, it felt too surreal. And I would have mm -hmm. loved to see her die in real time rather than a flashback. We felt so distanced and removed from it as if it was a fictional story. And I do understand a little bit of Alicia's action. She's hurt. She didn't get to say goodbye to her mom. And she's blaming anyone involved who isn't in the inner circle. That's just, I feel like, what a young girl would do. But I also groaned when they said, it was never about the stadium. It was about the people. It was about us. I'm sorry, but that was extremely corny. Duh! Why would anyone protect a stadium in the zombie apocalypse? Because it's a damn national treasure? No, because people need a place to live. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, it seemed like such an obvious lesson that it killed me. Lastly, her real name is June. <laughs> I laughed and said, are you kidding me? Another effing name. This show is trash. I was so mad. You're going to give her a third name? It just, it was comical. It was not good. Not a good moment. Also, I'm done with the show because I, once Madison left, I was like, oh, Madison's leaving. I'm going to leave too. See you guys later. Have a great night. <laughs> so Diana can give her feedback on the rest of the episodes because I'm no longer watching. I just can't justify wasting my time on this anymore. I can't believe I watched a whole storyline about what Diana said. The vultures just bringing zombies in for fun for nothing because they're killing the competition. It makes absolutely no sense to me. I'm just extremely disappointed with how Madison died mm -hmm. and Kim Dickens leaving the show. Mm -hmm. I think the writers really messed up yeah. on that. So... And I think that they really had the first five episodes were really good. They were so good. Yeah, I don't, it kind of, yeah, derailed, unfortunately. Yes, so. just very disappointing. All right, well, I'm still loyal because that's me. So I'll keep watching and I'll let you know. Doesn't mean I'm not loyal as a person. I oh, just have to know that. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't do it anymore. Okay, so what else are you watching, Diana? Thank you for asking, Brittany. <laughs> so, for TV shows, oh my God, I'm so excited. I finished watching Cobra Kai, the mm -hmm. rest of season one, and I love this show, and I'm not exactly sure why. I think it's because I have a history since I saw Karate Kid, but either way, I can't wait for season two. <laughs> I am already having withdrawals. I love that they have inserted these flashbacks of the movie into the series to give people who haven't seen it some insight. I also love how all the characters are intertwined. They're just great characters and it's great music. And I say, watch it. 
And anyone who hasn't watched Karate Kid, go watch it now. <laughs> yeah. They should. That too. <laughs> wax on, wax off. <laughs> <laughs> I um, watched the first episode of uh, Pose, a TV show created by Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk, mm-hmm. based in 1987 and about the ball culture. And I saw the pilot and I already shed a tear. <laughs> um, and it has great, great music. So, you know, I might give it another shot and see another episode. Um, I'm also watching So You Think You Can Dance because I love the show. I love the dancers. They're all amazing. And the judges are awesome. And I'm also started watching last night Queer Eye on Netflix. Mm, mm-hmm. Have you watched it? Are you no. watching it? Okay, I watched two episodes um, because somebody recommended, two people at work recommended it. And so um, I watched it and I liked it. Okay. I was pleasantly surprised. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put this on. And um, it was, yeah, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to keep watching that one. It was fun. Um, as far as movies, <laughs> this is funny because um, I watched Suburbicon a few weeks ago, but. Um, <laughs> I thought I had already reported on it, and I guess I didn't. (laughs) Anyways, it's a black comedy set in the 1950s. It's directed by George Clooney, starring Matt Damon and Julianne Moore, and it has two storylines going. One about an African-American family who moves into a white neighborhood and is subjected to horrendous treatment and nightly mob harassment. The white household next door has sinister activity with no attention at all. I mean, home invasion, multiple murders, death, child endangerment, threats, poisoning, insurance fraud. I mean, the two stories don't intertwine, and the only likable characters are the kids. (laughs) So, I don't know. I don't think I'd recommend that movie. I also saw Coco, which I know you had seen, and um, it was cute. It was a really cute film, so I liked it. And then I just watched Justice League, and I thought it was okay. I mean, it wasn't thrilling, and I think... It's just Batman feels guilty about Superman's death and the group needs him to defeat Steppenwolf. So they figure out a way to bring him back to life and to save mankind. I would like to say that Batman is my favorite superhero ever. And I was so let down by these movies that they've done with Ben Affleck. And Ben Affleck, if you're listening, you've ruined Batman. (laughs) Okay, so just step back and stay away because... You will never top the greats who did this before. I know. All right? I agree. Absolutely not. I totally agree. And I love the other Batman movies. Right. I love them. Like, I think they're great. So good. But yeah, this one was just... And I heard that this was the fourth highest uh, production. Mm Mm-hmm. Really disappointing. Because typically, I actually like DC Comics better. But, Mm -hmm. you know, Marvel is just taking over. They do it right. And Ben Affleck ruined it. (laughs) Okay, Brittany, what are you currently watching? It's a mix of good and bad stuff. So for TV shows, I'm watching The Bachelorette still. They're on week three. And I should probably stop watching this. I feel like I get dumber by the minute, honestly. (laughs) Um, Here's my problem with it is that they're speed dating, right? Like it's eight weeks of getting to know someone and then it usually ends with an engagement. So if that was me, I'd be asking a lot of deep questions, a lot of serious questions, but a lot of them say the same thing, like, mm-hmm. just looking for love. I just really want to find my 
my true love. I want to find the right person. I'm here for the right reason. I'm like, oh my God, do you have a brother? What were your jobs? What high school did you go to? How many girlfriends have you had? Like, can you ask them substantial questions? I just, come on, girl, like, vet them a little harder. Can I uh, interject for Mm -hmm. a second? Um, they probably edit all that stuff, that good stuff, because they probably think it's boring. They just want to get the juicy stuff. That's what I want to know, though. Yeah. That's how we get out. to know yeah. people is by their yeah. stories. Well, like, I would, too. Right. Yes, you're right. But you're there's this one guy, right. he did talk about, like, his relationship with his dad, but he's the only person who has said anything remotely personal that is distinct to him that is not his job. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, give me more of that, please. Because I don't really know how I feel about all these guys. So that's all I'm going to say about that, I guess. Maybe I should just stop watching. Anyway, <laughs> it's fun to watch. The NBA finals are over and the Warriors won. Mm-hmm. I watched in Houston while visiting a friend and we were literally the only ones who cared about this game. It was great. <laughs> but I didn't go to the parade, but I am very happy for them. I hope they win like a couple more championships and they're recognized as a dynasty because mm-hmm. they deserve it. And I'm so, so, so happy for them. I started watching American Gods. It's a really strange show, but my dad recommended it and I find it very intriguing. It's the concept of gods as people, as you and I, mm-hmm. as being alive because we believe in them, right? So there's a there's a Easter because we celebrate Easter. There's a Sunday because we celebrate Easter Sunday. There's all these different gods, and it's just that's a very interesting concept to me. And I honestly don't think uh, explaining it will do it justice. So just watch and figure out for yourself if it's too weird for you. <laughs> I finished Atlanta, and I really love it. Donald Glover is just so clever, and I appreciate that this is like a shorter 30-minute show, which is cool. I also watched a documentary series, which is called November 13th Attack on Paris, and it's about the November 2015 attacks in Paris, and I enjoyed the realism of the storytelling. There wasn't any like background music that tried to fluff up the moment or make you cry. It was just real accounts from people who had survived this. That's so powerful enough in itself. And I didn't realize that these terrorist attacks were only 45 minutes in its entirety, yet it caused so much damage. And that's so scary. But this documentary really memorializes the people that we lost rather than focusing on the terrorism. So I did, I appreciated that. I'm also watching The 100 and it's on Netflix. I recommend it because it's, it's really cool. I think if you like shows like The Walking Dead and Survivalist, that kind of stuff, you'll relate to it. It's a TV show about a hundred people who are sent from a spaceship back to planet Earth to see if it's livable again. So The spaceship's oxygen and supplies will only last four months. So these people, and they're mostly criminals, so they're just, they have no choice in the matter. They're just sent there as an experiment to figure out if Earth is safe because there was nuclear warfare that wiped out everything 100 years ago. So now they're just experimenting with these 100 people. So it's fascinating. And as far as movies, I rewatched Spider-Man Homecoming. Tom Holland is my favorite Spider-Man ever. And that says a lot coming from me because I have a huge crush on Andrew Garfield, who was previously the Spider-Man. But I like um, Tobey Maguire. Okay. He's my favorite Spider-Man for me. Okay. I just think that he portrays Peter Parker exactly how I would picture it, like Mm -hmm. a kid. Mm -hmm. For me, the other ones look too old to be 15 Mm -hmm. or 16. Mm -hmm. 
And he just has this innocence and this just desire to help. And he really wants to be a part of the team. And it's so believable for me. And I I just love him. But I think also, fun fact, anyone who plays a superhero just becomes like a thousand times more attractive to me. So that's probably why I'm like, oh, my God. So true. Oh, my God. You're my hero. I just, um, I really liked rewatching that. I think it was super cute. And then I rewatched Baywatch, the new one. I don't know why. I forgot how long the movie felt. Obviously not the best movie of all time, but I adore Dwayne The Rock Johnson and he obviously stole the show for me. So it's a fun movie to put on, like if you're just doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I want to bring up about reality shows again because I told you I was listening to, um, uh, Leah Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, interview and she brought up because she was on dancing with the stars Mm -hmm. and they asked her how her time was on there and she said it wasn't very good and they said why and i I can't remember exact words but it was like it it wasn't great and so you kept saying why what was it is it this and that wasn't that she loved the dancer she loved her partner she loved how hard everybody worked it was the production because the production people would come up at the last minute and to create ratings, they changed something on them. They said, no, we don't want you wearing that jacket. Even though they had practiced with that jacket and she had to slide down his back. And so when they took the jacket off, because they wanted him to show skin or whatever right. it was, she said when they were done that the beads on her dress had like totally like cut his cut him up and she felt so bad. And that happened over and over and over again to all everybody. So she wasn't saying it was a bad experience because of the people that she was like dancing with, right? And all of and anybody else, but it was because it was a reality show and what they wanted to create. So it just goes to show you, you know, that was, reality yeah. shows aren't even a hundred percent reality. Yeah, they, and I mean, I think we yeah. always knew that, but yeah. it's just it's hard to hear that. Yeah, like a real life story. Mm-hmm. That's so annoying. So I just thought I'd bring that up. Okay, Diana, it is time for and the award goes to it's our favorite moment quote or character. So what does your award go to? My award goes to Rick and Carl's conversation. Rick is about to burn up the big pen and Carl tells him that Carol is teaching the kids how to use knives, but that he thinks it's a good idea and that he doesn't want him to confront her. Rick says he won't say anything and gives Carl his gun back and puts his own holster and gun on. This was such a good father-son talk, and I loved it. They trust each other and respect each other, except when Carl has his teenager moments. (laughs) But for the most part, it's really good, and I just love it about them. What about you? Mine goes to Beth. I know that she wasn't a main focus in these two episodes, but I'm always drawn to her soft, motherly nature. She's a wonderful caretaker of Judith, and she's so wise for her age. I think that she would have made an excellent mama if she had survived Mm -hmm. this show. And when she tells Michonne, I think she senses people's moods. And she's speaking about Judith crying. It's so indicative of how much time she spends with this baby. If any other mother in the show said this, I wouldn't think twice of it because I just, they know. However, Beth never had younger siblings and she's a teenager. She's such a natural at this. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. 
I did think her reaction to her new boyfriend's death was a bit strange, (laughs) but I loved when she said, when you care about people, hurt is kind of part of the package. And it's so true. When we love others, we're vulnerable to losing them, to having a falling out, whatever it may be. But we know that their love and friendship is worth the risk. So Beth is just so sweet. Her singing is serene. And I really enjoy seeing her because I do miss her on current seasons Mm -hmm. of The Walking Dead. I do too. Well, that's our show. Thanks for tuning in. We are grateful you tuned in and we hope something we said today resonated with you, gave you a chuckle, some happiness, some positivity or inspiration. Please subscribe to our podcast and tell a friend. We would love more members of our TV club. (laughs) Rate and review the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. We need your feedback. We'll be uploading new episodes every Tuesday, and the next show will be on Season 4, Episodes 3 and 4. You can find our blog at the show notes listed below. See you next time. Bye!